Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. While a record number of refugees are streaming out of Ukraine, some people from other countries are lining up to go in to Ukraine uh, to fight with the Russians. Some of those are volunteers. They're from America. Uh, what's it like to choose to fight for another country? And we want to get perspective on uh, both uh, what's happening in terms of refugees and also with some of these volunteers. Very pleased to go uh, to our colleague from ABC News, Inez de la Guterra, a reporter for ABC News. She's currently in Poland. Uh, Inez, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, so give us a little lay of the land there. I know you've had an opportunity to speak to some of these volunteer fighters. What is it that causes someone to say, I'm willing to go into battle for your country, not just for my own? Yeah, so we were at a refugee center yesterday, the Korshava Refugee Center, that's about um, 45 miles from the base that was struck by uh, Russian missiles yesterday. And while we were there interviewing refugees, we met a group of men who had just been evacuated from that base who were all foreign fighters. So there were some who were uh, American. There was one guy from Ireland, two from France. uh, And they were telling us that the base that was struck was a base, uh, essentially a hub for foreign fighters. So uh, foreign fighters who crossed the border would, you know, register with the foreign legion. Then they were brought to this base where they were trained and then they'd get deployed to other parts of Ukraine. So uh, the the, the American we spoke with told us there were a lot of Americans there. Um, But as far as their reasoning for for joining this fight, they, they, they talked about you know fighting for democracy about uh, uh, wanting to, to fight terrorism in the case of this American fighter he claims uh, Putin is a terrorist for bombing uh, you know maternity wards and civilian areas and uh, he talked about how he had been watching the war unfold on his uh, phone on his television and he couldn't just sit back and and not do anything so um, the, the, he wanted to get involved and and in fact even you know after having gone through this uh, this ordeal of, of waking up they, they were all awakened by these these missile strikes and had to evacuate evacuate and run for their lives even after all of that this man says that he uh, plans to return to ukraine wow that is uh, that is extraordinary maybe describe a little bit of uh, your conversation with him about what happened there at that base uh, as you mentioned he was sleeping when everything kind of broke loose what was uh, what was that like Yeah, so we know the uh, missiles uh, started to hit the base in the early hours of the morning. So these men told us they had been sleeping uh, and they were awakened to the sound of missile strikes. They woke up in a panic. The American fighter actually said he didn't even have time to panic. He was just running for his life, uh, trying to get to a safe uh, space. He said he had been, uh, he was praying to God that that, that nothing landed near him. Um, But, but, and then they were eventually evacuated. They they say that the base was hit again 
after they left. So, you know, unclear, a bit of a fog of war there, unclear what the, the actual details are, but um, they were very much, um, you know, shaken, uh, uh, rattled, uh, concerned about some of the people they had met who they hadn't heard from. And we know, according to Ukrainian officials, at least 35 people were killed, 134 were wounded. The Russians say that the number is much higher. They believe uh, 180 people were killed. Um, and again, uh, uh, for the most part, we understand it was foreign fighters at that base. Wow, that's extraordinary. And, and give us a little sense. Uh, you've interacted with a, a number of the refugees uh, as they have been pouring out. We were just commenting in the, our last segment, uh, almost three million now. Uh, and we try to put that into perspective that that's basically every human being in, in Utah evacuating in about 14 or 15 days. Uh, what is it that you're seeing no. and sensing from where you are? Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, I mean, it, the influx has been staggering. The numbers just keep climbing. There are real concerns now that, so two two concerns. One, that there's going to be a fresh wave of refugees coming in from Western Ukraine. So a lot of people in Western Ukraine thought they'd be safe, that Putin wouldn't uh, venture out, you know, further west, uh, that they could ride out the, the war without being really put in, in harm's way. And those people are now starting to rethink their decision. So we met two moms yesterday who were from Lviv, uh, who didn't want to leave. They were holding out hope that the fighting wouldn't reach their city. Uh, and they were actually awakened by the sound of those explosions at that base. And that's when they decided to to leave. They decided it was time to, to get their kids to safety. So they we met up with them. They had just arrived. Uh, they didn't really have much of a plan. Uh, they had just arrived in Poland, but they, they felt they needed to get out of Lviv. And then the other concern is just that the numbers are going to be so, uh, you know, so, so staggering that that. Uh, the number, the sheer amount of refugees could overwhelm border countries. So the initial estimates were that there could be anywhere between four to five million refugees arriving to some of these uh, border or, or leaving Ukraine in total. Now those estimates are almost double, and, and officials believe it could be anywhere from eight to ten million refugees. And so if that, uh, you know, the vast majority are coming to Poland, and there are real concerns that that Poland, as as welcoming as the polls have been, uh, there, there are concerns that Poland is just going to be overwhelmed by the amount of people coming in. Yeah, and I. I want wanted to ask you about that specifically in terms of how how are the how's the Polish government and the Polish people who as you said have been so welcoming and have done so much to help so many uh, can they keep up with it and and is that just is are they just going to be uh, overrun and then and then what happens what's the the backup to that kind of overrun Yes, I mean, you know, the, the polls have been praised the world over for the way they've handled this crisis. It's really uh, the everyday citizens who are leading the effort here to, to welcome these refugees. It's what we've seen on the ground. It's everyday people going to the train stations, the refugee centers to offer a room in their homes, to offer rides to different parts of Poland or different par parts of Europe. Um, but but there is a sense that that that's, that can't continue, that it's just not um, sustainable. And certainly officials have started talking about how some of the big cities, cities like Warsaw and Krakow are already overwhelmed that they have taken in so many people already that they just, I mean, they're, they're full on saying they, they can't take any more uh, refugees in those cities. So the government has really tried to stay away from having to set up any kind of formal refugee camps. Mm -hmm. Certainly some of these refugee centers we're seeing are starting to look like camps. People are having to stay there for uh, several nights, but they're trying to stay away from any kind of refugee camps. But the concern is that they may not uh, have a choice if, if you know, we, we do end up seeing anywhere from eight to 10 million refugees leaving Ukraine. 
Wow. Inez De La Catera reporting uh, to us live. Uh, she's with ABC. She's currently in Poland. Uh, Inez, thank you so much for your reporting and uh, for keeping us up to speed on what's happening, especially with the refugees at the border. Thanks for having me. All right, again, that's uh, Inez De La Catera. Uh, and those are just uh, staggering numbers. Can you imagine uh, that many people coming in uh, to a place like Poland? Uh, and I love the fact that it's it's uh, as she said it's it's not so much government it's it's people, it's civil society, it's neighbor helping neighbor, and even if the neighbor is a country, uh, the Polish people are saying, "Come on in, uh, we don't care what your story is or how you got here, we're here to help." And to me, that's one of the most inspiring things out of all of this is seeing what happens when good people everywhere do good things. And they can make a difference. And people are opening their homes saying, yeah, come stay with us as long as you need to. Uh, we've had a host of businesses do extraordinary things in terms of buying up days in, in hotels or uh, in, in uh, Airbnbs and telling people you can stay here. Uh, this won't cost you. We've covered it. Uh, you've got organizations. We just announced a release came out at the top of the hour uh, from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, $4 million in additional uh, funds uh, to help with refugees in Eastern Europe, and there are so many others uh, that we that we know are out there truly making a difference, uh, and that's what we all can do. We all can do that every single day. Uh, we can make a difference, and we can make a difference in the name of or for someone or for a country or in behalf of uh, those that are sacrificing in other places. Uh, but that is how we make a difference. And uh, great reporting there from uh, ABC News and uh, Inez uh, De La Catera. We'll step aside for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, do you want to know what Vladimir Putin's really like? We're going to talk to somebody who interviewed President Putin. Don't miss it. Coming up next. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.